been fascinated by talking to creative people, those who think differently, understand uniquely, and see the world in their own way. Now don't get me wrong, I love what creatives produce, but often the story behind the story is what really inspires me, because I want to know where ideas come from, because that's where the magic happens. That's the creative backstory. Welcome to uh, The Creative Backstory. I'm Kelly Planer. I'm here with associate producer Shay Zukowski, who's joining us for the first time today. Hello. Hello. And we are, I'm just going to talk about me for a second. And I know this podcast isn't about me, but there's one thing I love, and that's a good fusion. So it's kind of like Warhol's soup cans or those portraits of your dog's head on Henry VIII's body or Banksy shredding a piece of art just at the moment it's sold I think that the blurring of the blend of art and commerce or the ridiculous and the divine or really anything that says, hey, you're not in your lane, makes us see things in new ways. And at the very least, fusions make us laugh, but at their shining height and pinnacle, they shed light on life and love and the way we relate to one another. So you can imagine my joy this summer at hearing Gangster Grass, my guest today, for the first time live at the Gray Fox Festival in upstate New York. Their mix of traditional bluegrass music with hip-hop beats and smart, smart social commentary just had us all at hello in a hurry. Gangster Grass founder Wrench is a singer, songwriter, performer, and producer. He's in demand with country and <coughs> hip-hop artists, and he learned during his tenure traveling, as I... And I quote, there are a lot of people out there with Jay-Z and Johnny Cash, more than you think. So Shazam, long story short, Gangster Grass was born. So their fusion of beats and banjo and pickin' and poetry resonated. FX soon picked up their long, hard times to come as the open song for all six seasons of Justified. The same song was nominated for an Emmy in 2010. And from their sold-out shows to a very cool sit-down with Terry Crews on America's Got Talent, Gangsta Grass continues to wow us with their musical ability, smart, smart perspective, and genre-bending stage presence, both musically and with their wardrobe choices, might I add. So welcome, guys, to the podcast. Hello. So before I introduce the band members individually, I just want to, um, for the people who haven't heard their music before, I want to start with Your Land from their 2020 cut, No Time for Enemies. This land is... Land. This land is your land. It's yours. It's my land. It's mine. This land is. This land is your land, or so it's claimed. But when they came here, it already had a name. And the people that they brought here also had the same. Assume the land is yours, but also take the blame. For native blood spilled, tribes that fell ill and became the foundation for this country that was built by the slaves that were killed in the fight for their freedom. Don't pretend that your ancestors didn't need them. So this land made now belongs to all of us. Whatever your race, whatever God you trust. Rural towns to a sprawling metropolis. Every single person that's part of the populace. Sing from the valleys, yell from the towers Soldiers with rifles, hippies holding flowers Rebuild the system, reclaim the power If this land is yours, it's certainly ours Bright sunny morning In the shadow of the steeple By the relief office I saw my people 
as they stood hungry I stood there wondering if this land was made for you and me There was a big old wall there So for those of you who haven't heard, you're probably hearing things in a different way. And I kind of like the question, is this land made for you and me? Which I, I love because it's a question we need to talk about. But first, I'm going to introduce the band. And it seems only fair that I introduce you alphabetically by first name. Okay. So Brian Farrow is the fiddler. Brian is from Nebraska and raised in D.C. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good. And we've got Dan Whitener on the banjo. Dan plays in a couple other bands around the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania area, among them Man About a Horse. And he is also a classically trained singer and, uh, you know, like all classically singer trained singers, plays the banjo for fun, right? Um, That's correct. <laughs> Dolio the Sleuth, MC from Philly via Florida. Welcome, welcome. And uh, we've got Wrench on the guitar. He's Brooklyn uh, music producer. Arson, the voice of reason from Philly, very close to the Juxtahub sta- studio. And uh, he got into, uh, he listened to old country just like I did with, uh, with our dad. So Kenny and Dolly and uh, Charlie. Kenny. Kiss an angel, good morning, right? It's all good stuff. And uh, and I've got Sleeves yeah. in the back, who somehow manages to keep this group together. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Listen, I play in a band with three people, and it's all I can do to keep it together. I'm not sure. You know, you guys are, you guys, you know, she's got her work cut out for her, right? So let's just start. How are hip-hop and um, bluegrass, how are, how are those forms of music alike? I have my ideas, but I want to hear from you. I mean, you got to understand that both of them were born in situations where both of the the cultures and the musical cultures were born in situations of just, you know, folks that didn't have a whole lot. Right. So, you know, you had a bunch of cats, uh, you know, on a porch and one guy had his, you know, had an old banjo. One guy had his, you know, his pot fiddle or whatever. And one dude was just, you know, just kind of getting down on the washboard or whatever. And they were just creating based on what they knew and what sort of, stories they had told what stories they were creating same thing happened in hip-hop you know what i mean cats was just you know grabbing old records to to get the beats from because nobody had a set of drums or whatever and you know cats are just beating on the lunch table or whatever for that drum and you know creating their stories and creating their ideas and talking about the stuff that was going on in their lives and um so you know, regardless of where that was happening it was happening right so a lot of that similar stuff going on and you know, there's a lot of outlaw narratives and a lot of, you know, stories about love and crime and all kinds of stuff like that, that exist in both. So, you know, it's easier, to, it's much easier to do than people would think, you know, to, to, to bring the two together. Well, it makes sense. And when you listen to it, you, you know, you hear these authentic stories and then you hear these twists on them, which is what, where you guys did really have me at hello. So, uh, Anybody else want to jump in on that? I was just thinking about how they're also both relatively new genres. You know, I mean, this is we're talking about mid 20th century bluegrass as, you know, obviously both come from from, you know, deep roots. Uh, Hip hop drawing a lot from R&B and kind of from every style of music. Bluegrass coming from a fusion of old time and, and blues and a bunch of influences. But they really only synthesized in like the mid 20th century. So they're new genres and a lot of it is technological. A lot of the stories are about like the come up, you know, yeah. bluegrass. They're talking, they're singing about the cabin in the hills. 
the singing about it from the perspective of being in the city. I wish I could go back to the cabin in the hills. I miss my mama, etc. Uh, take the take the old train to wherever it was in the sticks, and hip hop too. You know, it came up when uh, people started having access to to turntables and to you know better sound systems and, and amplification. So a lot of it is technologically based. You know, um, yeah, there's just a it's scratching the surface. I think at, at how much these genres have in common. Yeah, and uh, Wrench, you you sort of I feel like you just kind of fell into this talk a little bit about your your life as a producer and and uh kind of hearing things in your head as you're producing for one genre or the other i'm just trying to make the music i want to hear and uh there, there wasn't much out there when i was growing up that had the the twiny instruments and the harmonies of the country music i was listening to and the block rock and beats and the dope rhymes and the hip-hop and um so when i started producing music i wanted it i wanted it all in there so uh, I'm putting it all in there and bringing, bringing, dra- bring, dragging along some, some crazy folks that are just dumb enough to try it with me. Yeah. Do you remember your first your first sample? Like I'm going to try this. What was it? Um. Yeah, I, I think I was sampling some Willie Nelson actually, and then putting a beat to it. I'm like, yeah. Uh, Carter family stuff. Old Hank Williams. That was some of the stuff that I was sampling first. Do you still have it? I would love to hear it. No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> That's probably the only yeah. right answer. <laughs> hey, Carter family wrench. You mean like Beyonce and Jay Z, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the Carters. Yeah. <laughs> I was just listening to their their um she did a song yeah. called Daddy Lessons in like twenty sixteen off the lemonade cut and I just love it. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, and then the, you know, so I think this fusion, you know, you're trend-setting clearly, right? <laughs> There's also that, uh, every time I think about, like, oh, where is where's this sound uh, popping up back in the day, uh, some, somewhere along the road, someone reminded us of a tune called uh, uh, Hay in the Middle of the Barn, Crucible. No, mm-hmm. Crucible. 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 Thank you. These guys. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of examples going back all the way to the start of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I just like it's. I feel like it's just part of an oral tradition. To me, what you're doing is just sort of continuing that in in a way that that brings people together. Um, can I talk a little bit about um, the festival I met you guys at at Gray Fox because we need, we need to talk about that festival. That's one of my favorite. I've been going for so many years, and I just please, please talk about it. Well, first of all, it's one of it's probably one of my favorites as far as it's the best run and it has the most interesting combination of music. And I've heard so many things that I I just go home in love with everything that I've heard, you know. And I get I guess it's a good energy boost. But um, when I saw you guys, I was I was uh, volunteering there, so I'm working backstage, and you guys come in with uh, with do better, which I'm going to play for you soon. Um, I think we'll we'll close our show with do better, but immediately, first of all, there's a stage. They call it the dance tent, so there's no seats. Everybody's on their feet, and they expect they're expecting something new, and so five measures in. They're like, the energy level 
which was good when we came in, just rose and it was just, I know, I know, sleeves just, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And they loved you from minute one, as I did too. And um, then you just had them in the palm of your hand for a long time. But then, so I'm walking around the festival and I'm talking to various people and I'm getting very polarized response. I get either, I loved them, that was great, they felt like I did, or I'm not listening to that. And there was no in between and I'm like, shame on you. And so one guy in particular said, that's not what I do, that's not what I hear. And his wife comes up and literally smacks him on the rib cage. And she goes, you got to listen to their lyrics. You, you would like it if you just listened. And I thought, good for you, mama. So it's just, it was just good, you know. So like everything you guys talk about, the question I have, so you will take, a, you know, an old classic like, like Hard Times or, or This Land and Maybe, um, Dolio and Arson, you can talk a little bit about how you approach writing to those classic thoughts and ideas, which are still current. Your land was a little bit more fun because, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you write about the, about the lyrics, but we had a chance to really, to really, really flip it when we did it live. Um, tell the story of how, how we, it came uh, out. So we did, a, uh, we did a, at the, uh, the 80th anniversary of the, uh, of the song, uh, Woody's uh, Foundation, they did a whole show in New York and had a whole bunch of people come through and performing and uh, doing a bunch of stuff. And they wanted us to do, uh, you know, uh, to do this land. And they linked us up with a young lady from Oklahoma named Franje. Um, and she and Pharaoh uh, actually did a bunch of the, the, the lesser known verses for the song um, and actually put them in the song. And then, you know, Dolly and I did our verses um, but for me, the coolest part was at the end, we took, uh, there's a song by the artist Nas called The World Is Yours. Um, and it's, it's a classic joint produced by Pete Rock uh, off of Nas's classic album, Illmatic. And we took, uh, the hook from that is, you know, whose world is this? The world is yours. So we took that and flipped it, um, added whose land is this? The land is yours. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Whose land is? And did it like that. And did that at the at the end of the joint. Um, and so just adding a little bit more of that very very classic uh, hip hop flavor. And you know, it's one of those joints where in in eighty years, uh, in, in in my head, in eighty years, they'll be celebrating Illmatic the way they celebrated. You know, way you know way we celebrated uh, Woody's joint because it's just that much of a seminal record in 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 hip-hop culture and hip-hop history so you know to be able to, to add that little bit on um to a classic joint and sort of merging two classic joints together that that, that for me was the was the biggest deal that really made it a lot of fun no it's yeah, yeah. we definitely give us a chance to i guess refresh um the refresh the theme and, and, and update it to today's you know listeners in the the you know, with as much has been going on uh, in the political landscape, um, it's sometimes difficult for people who, who may feel voiceless out there to feel ownership uh, in the land that we live in. So oh. it was, it's more about about expressing the desire for that and making and making sure that we, we leave this a better place uh, for our descendants. And that must have felt like 
such a, you know, such a sense of time and place to be there, you know, to do that. Well, you have no idea. I mean, when you look at the live show, as it happened, this was actually the last live show that we did before COVID shut everything down. Yeah. So you talk about a time and place like that, that was reverberating in our heads for, for a while after that, uh, just being in that space with so many great artists uh, sharing the stage with Branjay and just getting to commemorate this song. You know, it, it was a really, it was a singular honor that at an event that was honoring this particular song that we were the band that we got to actually perform that song. Everybody got to play some Woody Guthrie songs and he had a lot of great songs, but, but we actually got to do that, the song that was being honored. So it just... It really meant a lot. And and the fact that we were able to bring back some of those verses that don't get done as much, to me, I feel like people know Woody Guthrie's songs, but they don't necessarily think of it in the way that he would have intended. I think they can get kind of sanitized over over time. You know, the rough edges get washed off or, or worn down, and, and people forget about some of these verses. But the stuff's in there. You know, it's not like we're really taking it and radically recontextualizing like he was thinking about this stuff at that time and i'd like to think that he would you know give a thumbs up to the stuff that we did with it oh no question oh he he'd loved it you know he's a guy you know i think about his story where you know at one point he was making his living painting signs across the nation right and once he left his he left his paintbrushes in the car and, and uh, his ride left without him. And then what, what was he going to do? Like, he borrowed a guitar and played at a honky-tonk and, you know, made enough money to get to the next place and maybe buy a new brush so he could keep working. But, you know, he's known some hard times, man. <laughs> so we wanted to talk a little bit about the, the production of this album because I kind of laughed as I was talking to Wrench and Sleeves the other day about you guys made an album during the pandemic do you know what most the rest of us were doing during the pandemic nothing <laughs> we, we did that stuff too we did all that we did that stuff talk uh, about the album and you know you can all kind of i'll just shut up for a while you guys talk <laughs> we we had, like as, as a lot of bands who tour uh, we like we write a lot of our stuff on the road um because that's a, the most of the time that we spend together uh, as a unit. So a lot of it was already written prior to the pandemic uh, locking everything down. We actually had, had started recording it in the studio. So we did like the first couple of songs in the studio together right before everything got locked down. Once everything got locked down, we, we, we realized we had to pivot um, to figure out how we were going to com- complete this thing that we were already, you know, fully invested in and completing um, thanks to the advent of technology, we were able to record a bunch of our, our, our parts separately in our own homes. And then Wrench did all the rest of the magic by pulling all of that stuff together and making it sound dope. Now, let, now keep in mind, I'm surrounded by musicians here, right? So <laughs> home studios everywhere, right? Yeah. Yo, you had I had a microphone 
that plugged into nothing. <laughs> and like literally, I was like, I have my own mic. Hey, now I have my that plugged into nothing. So like the team got together and it was like, all right, you need some of this, some of this, some of that, some of that, some of this, and all this stuff here coming in the mail. And then I was able to put it together. <laughs> and I was like, all right, yeah, now you need to do this and do that and do this. And I managed to hook it up and I was able to record in my crib. Um, like it was, it was, it was very much a team effort. Um, especially when one of the team had no idea what he was doing. So, you know, the brothers came through and really, really, really helped me out. And we were able to, 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 to make it work. Um, again, the majority of the work, this guy right here, you know, taking all of that stuff and, you know, just stems and stems and stems of putting it all together and not just making, uh, you know, making songs, but making a really, really, really quality album. Um, we sat down with the artist that did the artwork and, you know, shot ideas back and forth to him. And, you know, the if you look at the uh, the cover of the album, it's got that sort of woody sort of look on it. Right. Um, and we came up with the concept of, you know, during all that time when you had all, a, lot, a lot of the board of buildings from, from all the riots and stuff, you saw, you saw a lot of that wood, right? So it would, it would have been something you might have seen. Um, and so sure. using that sort of idea and, that, and uh, using that as a sort of, you know, something that folks would recognize, like, oh, okay, this is, this is very much of the time, but it's not like a brand new thing. You've been seeing that stuff for years with lots of closed down abandoned buildings and all sorts of things. So it's the sort of thing that will, you know, exist through time. Um, as much as it's a, an album of the time, it's very dope because it's also very timeless. You know, um, as, as, as writers, um, not just, you know, obviously on the lyrics, but on the, on the hooks of the, and, and everything as well. And, you know, the various sorts of lyrics, it's all sort of timeless stuff. So nothing is really stuck in the place i think we used the word pandemic like one time that was a guest mc came yeah. in and like you know we i think you tried to avoid yeah. Like yeah, yeah. really particularly referencing like i'm stuck at home covid is in the world like there wasn't really anything in the words itself yeah. what you mean right like, yeah exactly like, it was just you know this is the world these are the way things exist um and how do we make make it so a lot of this doesn't exist nothing in particular just you know fix the world sort of thing the same sort of stuff the cats have been saying for a very long time that you know as as societies we just refuse to fix but keeping it very uh you know, of the time and timeless at the, yeah. at the same time. And there were a couple of ways that it was of the time, right? Like, obviously, I, I like to think you can really hear the songs that we recorded in the studio. You can hear that there was that energy to it. But, you know, we were able to use technology and, and put a lot of stuff together. Um, and some things came out of us being isolated that, that we wouldn't have had otherwise. For instance, we started uh, live streaming a lot, started using Twitch and other platforms to just stay in touch with each other and our, and our fans and everybody. And we even came up with one of the songs, um, like Dolio said, most of them were already pretty much written before that year, but we ended up actually writing a couple of songs, kick the can style where like I might record a banjo line and then, you know, wrench might make a beat to that. And then we would pass it around each other and it would come together piece by piece. And, uh, and do better was actually one of those songs yeah. that we created over just the course of a, you know a few days, a few sessions, one by one, kind of like an exquisite corpse, you know, and that's how we wrote that <laughs> song. Uh, 
And I think that's also the song that uh, that Randall has the, the line about the pandemic is in there. Yeah. But it is just it's a timeless thing. And in fact, the title of the album itself also came from one of these live streams. Randy was talking at one point about I think you were in a parking lot. I'm and, sitting in my car. Yeah. And somebody with a part with a shopping cart. You know how that like like the height of human emotion of the shopping cart and so or somebody's pulling out and in the way and it's just like the worst thing in the world and like you're ready to go to blows over some like oh, yeah, was, meaningless pointless yeah. that he's observing. He's just like, What what is this? And and he literally said the words, yeah, I just I don't have time for enemies. And I hear that and I'm like, I think that that was the title of the album. I think you yeah. just said the title of our of our album. Um, and in yeah. in that way too I think that's the other timely thing is that, yes, this stuff has been true for a long time, but now in this moment, and especially going into like May and June, you know, with all the, the heightened protests and just seeing that like a lot of stuff that we've waited on for a long time, we can't and won't really continue to wait. Um, that was even another thing. We ended up releasing the song Freedom, which we had already written and recorded. That was one of the ones we recorded in the studio. We did, and yep. it was ready to go. And we were going to release some other song uh, right around Juneteenth. And we were, you know, that was our plan. And then everything started popping off, and we started noticing and feeling like, you know, this is maybe, maybe a time where we could respond to this moment. Yep. What if we just, Freedom is ready to go. Why don't we release that now? And that can, and that sort of was, again, we were going to do the song anyway. So in a sense, timeless, but in another sense, very much how and when we released it was a response to what was going on around us. Yeah. Cause a lot of this, most of the, or all of the things that we, that we sung about on that album uh, were things that we have been pondering and thinking about and in writing about for the scope of our, the, the entirety of our careers as a band. Um, it's just that it took something extreme like a pandemic to get everyone the time with their thoughts to amplify these problems to where people would start to take action for the solutions. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a listen to uh, some of uh, Gangsta Grass's Freedom and then we can talk about it a little bit more because it's it's so strong and it was such a an amazing time and a way to kick off an album that has all the elements you're describing from the artwork to the crazy way that you produced it. So let's listen a little bit and then we'll uh, dive into that. For years, for decades, for centuries, we have struggled and fought and bled and died for this. What we ain't gonna do is wait. Last night I saw a bright red comet in the sky. I asked for its purpose and it gave me a reply. It said, Soon come the day master dies, but first you must prepare. Keep our eyes on the prize through the beat of the drum, the light of the fire. We decide to be as free as a bird when it flies, so we ready every axe, sharpen every knife, get our people inside ready and willing to take a life. There'll be none worth saving, soon done slaving, but now we must prepare as usual while we making our plan to reach the promised land of liberation. Breaking the chains before the beast them awaken, watching the houses ablaze before they cave in. No more will I please till the sky be forsaken. All praises due, there'll be much celebration, plantation will be gone by the day's end. I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom. I ain't gonna wait no more. 
take this axe and plant it in your back. I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom. Time to be about the challenge Sitting at the counter to create some counterbalance Broken windows, folks doing damage Just to keep a black man from having a sandwich Not even that damn famish Promising Dr. King, hoping I can manage To keep it peaceful in the midst of this evil It's too much to take, damn it, I can't stand it Might be time to go another route Here come the pigs trying to drag a brother out Coming with the cuffs, but man, I've had enough So that fist in the air, just punch him in the mouth Running through the south Fleeing for my life, fighting against wrongs cause we needing our rights But every passing law ain't enough for y'all Whose souls are too dark to even see the light So I, I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom Come on I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom We started on this march, now we gon' tear this mess apart I said I, I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom There'll be no more marching The demon's the same as the day that he darkened The shores of our precious, blessed mother continent Stole our ancestors and put them on the market They stayed fanned in the flames that they sparked With the evil intentions they've had from the start If we still have to fight, then we'll tear this apart Peace will be found with a spear through the heart Another plan is a brother man in power positions Such as in greater control of our conditions When it happens, I doubt you're gonna listen But consider yourself somehow a Christian I'm on a mission to take these levels tilted Straighten it out for all my elders that built it Don't care whether or not guilt you feel It's not gonna keep us from the freedom we will get I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom Come on, I said I, I ain't, ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom this system and we kill it Then we flip it and rebuild it Cause I, I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom I'm sorry. I ain't gonna wait no more to get this freedom It really did stop you in your tracks and and I will hand it to you guys, you know, that happy fiddle in the back mixed with what you are saying. It really forces that whole fusion mind bending let's think about this in a different way. You know, it puts me in it maybe put me in the south listening, it maybe put me in uh, Minneapolis listening. There's so many things that came to mind and we're not going to wait. But Wrench, why don't I let you talk for a little bit about putting this together and how, because I feel like with all these elements, you know, we needed the puzzle master to kind of piece them together. And I think that's you. And Pharaoh, make sure to say a word about that fiddle and where that actually comes from. It's funny you say happy fiddle. So that, that's a fiddle tune that comes out of uh, Solomon Northrup's 12 Years a Slave. That just happened to be a, 
one of the tunes that he he enjoyed playing while he was recaptured down in the south on the Louisiana. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Roaring River, and he was uh, he was shipped down to the Red River Valley down there. Uh, but he was originally uh, he's originally from up north. But uh, yeah, I was playing that during rehearsal one day, and the fellas here, Dolio and our son, they uh, they were joking around and just like came up with the hook immediately. Uh, and then Wrench went ahead and threw a beat on it, and we had ourselves a song. What was the idea behind the hook? Well, the idea was, like, because um, I was hearing it, and I was, like, thinking about, like, you know, I grew up in the South, so, like, in in, in an AME church, so it's, like, you grow up with a lot of Negro spirituals and stuff like that, and there's always this hopefulness. But um, I was also kind of raised in a liberation the- theology that kind of feels like, Sometimes giving a person hope is the cruelest thing you can do if you don't give them uh, the wherewithal to act on it. So the idea was it was kind of based on the whole we shall overcome someday thing, but to just dismiss the someday element of it. Because someday is, you know, a fool's errand. It's like someday it could be any day out there in the future. Mm-hmm. Get it now. Get it now. I was, uh, so I took that and I drew upon inspiration from the Haitian Revolution. And it basically started with, you know, that conversation over the fire with, you know, one man and his, his creator. And his creator is telling him, okay, now is the time. Get everyone on the plantation. We're going to kill everyone on this plantation, <laughs> and we're going to get our freedom now. And that's where we got that inspiration from. It's like, okay, Amazing. it's the time for winning. This is this is over. You got to get it now. The video uh, when we decided we wanted to put it out, we were like, all right, how are we going to do? It? Let's do a video for it. And that was very much, you know, the same as the album. Like, all right, how are we going to do this? Um, and, uh, you know, we reached out to a bunch of different cats and we're like, look, we're doing this video for this record. I'm gonna send you the record. Uh, my man, Shanti, a dear friend of mine that actually really got me started really, really pursuing this rhyme thing. Uh, when we went to school together, um, he's a videographer. And so he got a bunch of the images that were involved and, you know, we sent him a bunch of stuff and he put the whole thing together. And, um, like there's a part when I'm doing my part on the, you know, in the video on the street, my 14 year old son, uh, he was 14 at the time, shot my part of the video. Like that's how we were putting all of this stuff together. Sort of, I, I, I don't want to say haphazardly, but you know, doing, you know, using what we had, you know, shooting stuff in our houses and on our block, whatever. And then we put the whole thing together, put the video out. Um, and it really did. It, I, I don't know that it would have had the same effect Right. At another top, no, you know, what right. I mean, it really, really did just sort of hit um, in the, in that moment, and the way the whole thing came together, it, it was it was like perfect timing. And the video, I I want to say it was it felt very it felt very homemade, but where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, and really powerful imagery i will when i uh post this podcast i will put the video up on the facebook page so people can see it or google it but it's it's a must see 
this is Shay. I'm going to jump in with a yeah. question because I'm an old time fiddler and I just, my compliments to, to the fiddling on this album. Um, I'm, I'm really struck <laughs> by how well you guys listen to one another. And I'm, I'm just curious to hear more about your collaborative process. The whole kick the can idea, mm-hmm. I think is, is, easy to explain and hard to pull off what sort of challenges are inherent in that and how do you overcome them as a group yeah because creatives have an ego whether you know you just have to put it in the right place you know so and your sound is so balanced I think that's another thing that really comes across to me it's it's such a perfect blend of two traditions you hear both at the same time and artistically that must be challenging to pull off not if you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> They're giving each other credit. If everybody's pointing to one another. I know. So that Thank creative, you. yeah, the creative process. How how has it always been easy for you guys, or have there been stumbling blocks along the way? How do you work through it as a group? We usually just like fight, like we fight. bare knuckles. <laughs> yeah, like, bare knuckles. Yeah. The, the last person standing is the one that, that calls all the shots for that song, <laughs> and, and, and then we start a whole new fight for the next song. And that's why Wrench is in charge. Of that. So yeah. that, we go that we go through that fight. Somebody gets in charge. They make they make it based on that, and then I throw all of that in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> the secret comes Somebody's got to be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, a, a part of it is just one of one 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 part of it is the fact that we've been together for so long, um, and we spend so Ten much years, time. Right? Yeah, yeah, we've we and with that, there's a lot of com- it's, it's it's a lot more than just the music. You know, we we have a lot of conversations. Um, you know that 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 illuminate all these these different uh, subjects and topics that we end up covering. Um, and then these are also things that we care about in our actual lives. You know, um, some of some of the things that we do together as a group outside of the music kind of facilitate that collaborative um, approach because, you know, we, we cook together, we, we work together, we s- stay in the same domiciles. You know, it's like it, 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 all of that kind of makes this cooperative type of thing work. We the songs themselves all start differently at, at their exceptions. It might be a, a riff that Dan comes up with, or uh, uh, just a, a couple of a couplet that 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 our son comes up with, or or even a kick know, the can, or, or a kick the can. It's like either everyone comes up with something at some point, and then somebody else will be like, "Hey, let's 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 do some gangster grass with this. Let's add this to it." Yeah. You know, it's like. I'm making a big soup or something. You know? And I, I'd say because uh, we all, uh, you know, we talk about hip hop and bluegrass, but because we all come from very different backgrounds, like we got Dan Joe, who's more bluegrass, we got Rich, who's more honky tonk and country, we got our son, that's more northern hip hop, we got Dolio, that's more southern hip hop, and I'm just a guy that's here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might I might dig up some older tunes, and I, I, I honestly come from a really heavy classical and jazz background. So we all we all find different ways to add to this music because we have so many differing things to add to the music. They all find a space. Yeah. Well, I always thought of bluegrass as the jazz of country music, you know, so in its own way. Because you you know you've got two hip hop MCs, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got 
too uh, instrumental. It's one that's very, very bluegrass, you know, focused sort of thing. And, you know, Farrell bringing a lot of the, the, the old time stuff in it. Um, it. There's, you know, you have two pieces on each side, sort of. This guy right here is the most, like his, his, like funneling it all through him and his balance. This dude is more hip hop than a lot of hip hop people that that I know. Like, yeah, you, you, my man here is, you know, he makes all the beats, and so the beats are are, are you know, that's this. It's it's a very raw, rugged hip hop sound. Plus, 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 man, got bars, yeah. bars. This dude yeah. can spit. So yeah. you know, what I mean, it, it it is very much a, it is it's a great balance, and a lot of that is because it's funneling through you know you have these two sort of sides for lack of a better word funneling through a guy that walks both worlds in a in a in a in a in a, in a balance that that most cats will never be able to do all right wrench your response yeah another thing about the, the formula of what we're doing is the the authenticity of um Making sure that it's it's people that are that are real MCs, real bluegrass players, to come and collaborate together, and that it's not just kind of like somebody who like got the idea and then is just like trying to, to sample without knowing what they're about. Yeah. So that's that's an important part of the formula is that yeah. like you have to get the real and into it. And we're doing what we really do and love. Like you're not asking any one of us to water down in some way or or dilute or hybridize like what I do or what he does or you know we're all just being you know really fully authentic and adding what we do individually and the the summing comes when it all comes together yeah but I think that's something people can smell I feel like <laughs> you know like yeah we get a lot of the polarizing stuff we're not we're, we're not unfamiliar with that and a lot of it, unfortunately, I think does come from people who've just like prejudged it, looked at it, and not actually like listened to any of it. Right. But as soon as they hear it, it's undeniable. Right, because you don't hear people say, oh, I listened to it and it was really fake and contrived and their hearts weren't in it. And, mm -hmm. you know, the sort of stuff that they fear might be true looking at it mm -hmm. is not the case mm -hmm. because of how we do it and, you know, that that kind of like I think the diluting that we don't do, basically. Yeah. If anything, what we do get is anger. Oh yeah, they're angry that they never heard of it before. Yeah, we get that a lot. They're like, really? why did I know about this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but, that's kind of what I told you guys. I was like, I was like, kind of sad that I didn't know about a lot of you know what you guys were doing before because it makes so much sense, <laughs> you know. No. Yeah, we'll be we'll be angry at you for a while, but yeah. I know, yeah. I know. It's I, forgive me. There we go. <laughs> for me, like a, as we go, so much more about the roots of the American genres, where when record companies first started going into southern music, and because the, you had Jim Crow segregation, they they had to label it differently and sell it to different markets. And how much that was sort of artificially created this idea of white music and black music where they 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 called it hillbilly music or race music and from there people got the impression like oh white people do this kind of music black people do that kind of music yeah. but it was really art 
be imposed. Yeah, and we don't have those genres anymore. We don't have hillbilly music and race music anymore. Because of what, bluegrass and what, jazz. And mm-hmm. country and Blues. urban? Like, they call it urban music? Yeah, there's, yeah. <laughs> urban <laughs> music. On my, on my car, I was trying to identify a hip-hop song, and it was just like, urban? <laughs> so, 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 unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, there is a lot of that, like, you do the, the idea of white music and black music you know, comes from somewhere and unfortunately has some historical truth that stays today. Like, we sort of think of it like redlining, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there was a yeah. great study done on that, on the effects of, if you have historical segregation and you don't really make a meaningful effort to unsegregate, you're still going to have the effects today. Yeah. In, in yep. somewhere. Well, and yep. uh, yeah, it, I really want to get into this, but you guys have yeah. a show to do. I know. I feel like we just hit the tip I know. of the iceberg. I wanted to talk about cultural appropriation. And, yeah. Yeah. You know. Form over function, function over form. Yeah. Like there's music with a message and then there's a message where they jam it into whatever genre. And, it, and in your case, it would be music, but I don't think that's what you're doing, you know, as far as are you, is it music that you love playing or music that you're trying to educate with? I, I feel like it's, it's music, it's music that we love playing. The education is just who we are. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we are all kind of, you know, historians and teachers and things of, you know, of the of culture just as, as the way that we live our lives. And because we're not, that that way we're not shoehorning the message into it. The message is already of us, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's that's why you'll get you know a, a song about slavery, or, or or next to a song about poverty, next to a song about shaking your butt, because we care about all of those things. <laughs> all important things. And the other thing I wanted to add was just what happens in our audiences. We started noticing that people were coming, and people were people were kind of you know. Uh, crossing some of these perceived lines or boundaries, this was not uh, in the plan. This was not like an express goal. We were like, we're going to bring people together in the audience. No, we just started seeing it happen and and observing it, noticing it. And like you say, it's not on account of we had a message and the message was like, look to your left, look to your right, shake a neighbor's hand and be all right. You know, like that's, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It, we we're just doing right what we do. Yeah. We're just, decide- no, 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 we're not doing that because, because if you can't, you can't shut it down because it's like I said, people smell that. You can tell if there's a message being, being sold to them. But if you, if we're just disarming people through music and music is really inherently disarming, yeah. we're just trying to get everybody having a good time together. Um, but it turned out it's it's actually having kind of a profound and unexpected effect that we're pretty happy about. Well, and this ties into the question about why haven't why haven't I heard Gangster Grass before, and the question about segregation through the ages of the record industry. The reason you haven't heard Gangster Grass before, if you haven't, is because that segregation carries through into the radio stations, and the radio stations are free or hip hop. And they're curated such that they're they don't know what to do with something that crosses the lines so bold and you know with with no concern for what these genres are. And the record labels, you know, sort of kept that going with um, how you know the streaming services program their algorithms 
same thing. So you're not going to, you're not going to find banjo on a hip hop playlist and you're not going to find super dope MCs with amazing lyrics on a country or bluegrass playlist. But thank just, goodness we find gangsta grass on the, on uh, Rolling Stones bluegrass top 10, you know, we find you, we find you on that yeah. list, which is, yeah. so there's hope is what you're saying. There's hope. There's hope. There's yeah. hope. People are, People are doing it. That's yeah, right. we're, we're, we're genuinely doing this experiment. It continues to be an experiment. I mean, it's not just us. It's other people that we bring in to play with us. So, like, um, you were saying, the cultural appropriation. I mean, we are culture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're of the culture, so there's no appropriation happening. N- not at all. You know, and I, no. I think as an... A fan of old time music in particular, one of the things I feel is that the music feels so recognizable. You know, you just you just kind of know where it's going because you know there's such a tradition to it. Um, but you guys are making something completely new. You're revolutionaries, and you know you're you're drawing from this really old material and and reinterpreting you're breathing new life into it and i think that's what's really exciting i will i will also add my husband and i watched um justified the the whole nine yards and we are always that couple that's skipping through the credits in the beginning of the show and we never did that because we loved your sound so much i especially like what you said about music though i it makes me feel like like I consider myself to be a, like a progressive musician, like progressive bluegrass, progressive this or whatever. And I think about what that means and what it means to me is what you just said, which is you, you have to have one foot, you have to have your back foot firmly, solidly planted in where you come from, in, in your tradition. You have to have that foot there. Like if you're in a fighting stance and you, you bring up your back foot too much, you're, you're unstable, you're not rooted or balanced, you can easily be knocked over. So you have to have that planted. And then at the same time, you're bringing your front foot forward into something that has a direction it it, you do need to have that stability but also you know ability to grow from that in a direction i think that's what that's what really makes it not just frivolous you know it's not just oh this would be a silly idea the difference is that you are actually coming from something and you know where you're coming from um and you and you draw strength from that so I really appreciate that you, that you said that because that's that's something I think we 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 draw from and think a lot about. I also yeah. want to put a pin in that for later because that seems like a gene side of thing, and like there's also the movement side of things. But that's a whole samurai shampoo conversation. That's not really for this <laughs> interview. Yes, interview. but yeah, but maybe uh, maybe we can get that conver- You know, maybe we can get one of your songs in that commercial. <laughs> Shampoo, <laughs> 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 actually. Oh, man. Can we do a dub where all the music is being used? Yeah. (laughs) Just clean it up, kids. Clean it up. Isn't it great? That's the perfect part about the creative process. It's just, it's so energizing. You can get people together to talk and to talk about change and to be who they are. And I think it's one of the reasons we do this podcast. It's one of the reasons that I love meeting you guys. So thanks for all you do. Yeah, here's an example of that. Randy just whispered to me that I might have just said the title of our next album, but I'm not going to tell you what it was. <laughs> but if you go with it, well, we can go back. And well, we, say, we can Here. say our new slogan is Gangsta Grass. Got the back foot in tradition, 
on the front foot in your face. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's the album cover right there of Wrench at the bottom of Wrench's boot. And album the, cover. Look at all uh, the work yeah. we've done today. And yeah. okay, so let's do a little contest with listeners. If you guys can think of the name, of, if you want to make a guess, you leave it in the comments of the Facebook post when, when, when we post this, and we will see if we can name this album. Huh? <laughs> so, guys. Thank you, Cop. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. So, um, yeah, guys, I can't tell you how much we appreciate. Uh, Shay and I appreciate you spending time with us and we'll say goodbye. And then I'm going to play you out with uh, do better because uh, that's kind of I feel like that's the theme of the last 10 minutes of this talk. So, right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, gangstagrass.com. You can follow them around on Facebook. They each have their own uh, things going on, too. So um, if you're ready for an Internet rabbit trail, this is a great place to start. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode of uh, The Creative Backstory. Because we all do better when we all do better. You can't get better than that. Uh. Yeah, we all do better when we all do Gangsta better. Gangsta grass, big brand. Check the raison d'etre is to make songs better and take on the effort of doing the utmost. Cause way too many humans are cutthroat. So much stuff that they're doing just so they can get it in and get over on the next man. I'm here to elevate and navigate like a sextant. So we're cruising through the weather. Anything you can do, my crew can do it better. Make songs for you to groove to forever, whatever Units you choose to measure Night after night, day after day You bet we get you lifted in the gangsta grass way Aloha, ashe, namaste, peace We're giving y'all dap whatever way that we greet We stay on our feet in the face of defeat No retreat, the only thing that breaks is the beat Cause we all do better when we all do better You can't get better than that Yeah, we all do better when we all do better the Creative Backstory is a collaboration between producer Alan Fleming, associate producer Shay Zukowski, and me, Kelly Planer. Our theme song was written and performed by Dave Coyne. Just to let you know, our podcast wouldn't be remotely possible without the support of JuxtaHub, Emmaus, Pennsylvania's Arts and Innovation Center, where people from all walks of life gather, create, and grow. The views expressed by our team and our guests are not necessarily those of JuxtaHub and may or may not reflect their values. That being said, if you've been inspired by a creative person in your life or have a story about your favorite creative processes, we'd love to hear about it. Contact us at thecreativebackstory at gmail.com.